stay at home on nine to five, raising your babies with joy and pride. A real ass mom, your real ass mom, taking care of business. Ooh, girl, you're resilient. Cause you're a real ass mom, a real ass mom. Welcome to the Real Mama Pod. I'm your host, Devin. And I'm your host, Kendra. We are real moms. Sharing real experiences. The, the things people don't tell you. Hey, mama, hey. Hey, mama, hey. How are you doing today, friend? <laughs> I'm hanging in there. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Just hanging in there? You know what? I'm going to be super fantastic since you're hanging yes, in there, okay? please be fantastic for both of us. Okay, so if this is your first time listening, I'm your host, Devin. And I'm your host, Kendra. Welcome to The Real Mama Pod. Welcome. So, friend, who we got today? <laughs> so, we have a good friend. Uh, his name is Tillman. And Tillman and I used to work together many years ago. And I'll refrain from saying how many years ago that was. But we have been <laughs> really good friends since day one of work, really. And Tillman has been a really, really good friend to both me and Jonathan and Devin, too. He's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. So he has been around friends, family. You've even spent Christmas, I think, with my family before, Tillman. <laughs> um, so Tillman is a part of the family. He's like a brother. And he is mm -hmm. super successful in everything that he does. He's an author. He is mm -hmm. a fellow podcaster. Um, which we're going to talk about his podcast today. And he's just an all-around great person. He's very funny, and he can dance. He's just a cool person. Like, he's family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm happy to have Tillman here today. Uh, and we welcome you, Tillman, to the Real Mama Pod. Yes, I appreciate the invitation very much. <laughs> we're so happy to have you here, Tillman. So... Look, this discussion is going to be very in-depth and deep. October is Depression Awareness Month, and Tillman has been very open with his um, journey with depression and how he's healing himself and others. So we really want to dive deep with this conversation with him because a lot of times we don't hear African-American men talk about their journey with depression. I'm talking about those things that's really bothering them or getting them down or may not even feel like they have a voice. So we really want to talk to Tillman um, to give us some perspective in that area and help us learn how we can be a part of that community as well. So Tillman, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. I appreciate the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> so of course we have a lot of questions for you Tillman okay so we are going to get, get started right uh, because I know our listeners are very eager to hear this as well um, so like can you briefly just talk about some of the factors in your life that have may contributed to you um, being diagnosed with depression and kind of how you navigated through that and your healing journey with that I know that's oh, kind of a lot. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> where did I begin? So there, there's a, I would say when I initially understood what was going on was April of 2017, actually. So mm -hmm. I tore my ACL then. And there was this quote from Derrick Rose. That I remember like right when I tore my ACL. And he mm -hmm. said, when he experienced that, it felt like death. 
And navigating that experience was quite difficult for me personally because when it happened, of course, I'm playing flag football of all mm. things. I played football, you know, through high school or whatever. And <laughs> it's funny because like telling that part of it was like, now I have to tell people I tore my ACL playing flag football. And I was <laughs> embarrassed. <by it. laughs> but um, uh, on a serious note, I you know in navigating that process, like there was a point where it's hurting so bad because literally there's a drill that goes into your knee. Mm. And wake up the next day, you can only take like the pain medicine like every three or four hours. Mm. And for me, being the person that I am, I hated taking medicine of any kind. But then, you know, knowing what I was dealing with, I knew I had to take it. But it, I would stand up and it felt like somebody was pulling my knee apart. Mm. And then I developed this blood clot in my legs. I was scared. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, going through that, I'm like scooting on the floor to go brush my teeth. And I remember like lifting myself up to brush my teeth and like sitting there thinking to myself, the whole world is moving forward, regardless of what's going on with me. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what happened, what I'm dealing with. And that was also a moment when I thought to myself, like, this is real. Depression in itself is real because as I'm like going through that experience, it was something that I had never necessarily gone through at that level before. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 2021, there's like a ton of stuff happening, obviously with COVID and um, we decided to go back to Memphis for a little bit. Go was never to be there forever. So in Memphis, and it's just like my entire world just fell apart, like my entire world fell apart. So um, my younger brother, I lost my younger brother in August of 2021, my, my 25 year old brother. And then, you know, actually before that, I lost an aunt. And then my older brother got locked up in June of 2021. So June of 2021, my, my brother gets locked up. July of 2021, I lose an aunt. August of 2021, my younger brother passes. And then December of 2021, my uncle passes. Mm. Following that, February of 2021, my three-year-old niece ends up in a car accident and nearly loses her life. And she has to learn how to walk and talk again. So she's navigating that process. And I remember when she was in the hospital, of course, my sister was there as well, but she was in the hospital and she had a fractured eye socket. Mm. And course they didn't know as a you know three-year-old how she's gonna come back and so I'm literally watching my niece go through this experience but then three weeks after that I lost my second brother so within like a seven month period it was well technically eight months with all of that stuff it literally just happened overnight and I look up and I'm like now I'm, I'm not married I've lost two of my brothers I've lost an uncle I almost lost my niece it's like everything just fell apart like immediately and I'm sitting there, I remember there was a moment when I'm literally on my knees and I'm just saying, it's too much. Mm -hmm. It's too much. And I just kept saying that as I'm like going through this process, but I was like, you know, if it's too much, how are you still standing? So I had to, you know, ask myself that question, but that's one of those things when I think about what I wrote and it's gonna hurt, but it won't kill you. That's where it all came from. 
that's where literally every single bit of that came from. And so my family had historically had this view of me that I had everything together. Shoot, to them, my life looked perfect. I've done um, a lot of events. I've worked with like Eric Thomas in the past. I've done, uh, I've had viral videos uh, through years. Uh, I've written books through years. I, I wrote my first book in like 2014. So they're seeing all these things had a Facebook reality show. So everything looked like it was in order. I'm also in LA. So for them, I was like perfect. Mm -hmm. But then when all of this stuff happened, I'm like, I haven't shared with anybody except one person what I've actually gone through throughout this entire time. Because the expectation was beyond this idea of being perfect, you're a man. Mm -hmm. Get it together, hold it together, man up, power through, no matter what. And so. You get accustomed to that and you keep going and you take on the weight of the world, whether it's financially, whether it's being there for other people in whatever capacity. And I did all of that. Mm -hmm. And then I look up and I'm like, why the hell am I by myself now? Right. And when I started to like ask that why question, I asked that so many times. I'm like, well, I actually don't have any answers for that. And so I stopped asking why and just started moving. And that's how the book came along. That's how the podcast came along. And obviously some of the other stuff um, as I'm navigating this whole experience. So part of my healing was to be transparent and vulnerable. And that's mm -hmm. really the beginning of all of the work that I'm doing right now. Wow. Um, you said a lot. I know. <laughs> uh, you know, always virtual hugs. Cause I haven't seen you in person in many years, but um, I have been around, um, and Tillman, I just want to say that I really commend you for just mm -hmm. how you have held yourself together through all the trauma and tragedy that you've mm -hmm. experienced over the past two years. Um, that, that's a lot. And I, I'm just so proud of you and who you are. Um, but I, I do want to ask you. In all of this, you you had your ACL tear in 2017. You experienced all the trauma with losing family and just a, a lot, right? In all of this, at what point did you know or feel that you were experiencing depression? I think there were moments throughout. I think what surprised me more was the anxiety that I started to experience. The anxiety was the piece where it was just so uncommon because there were moments when I'm like shaking because I'm thinking to myself, like, what if I get another phone call and this happens? So there's this level of worry that started to occur for me. And Kendra, obviously, you know, I, when I when I wrote my book and how I just was when we were working together, I'm like, I always had like that positive mindset. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that, you know, when you talk about the way I used to work out and like all of these other things, like I'm battling through stuff through all of that. Cause there's historically things that have happened within my family, never leading to death of any sort. But when I really realized it was probably when I lost my uncle hmm. because within like that six months was like all of these other things. So when I really realized that's what it was, I lost my uncle and 
I remember because we took a trip to St. Martin with like a, a group of friends and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, my whole world is different now. I didn't know like a few months after that, that my niece would almost die and my brother would pass. And then the day before my younger brother's funeral, my baby brother ends up in a nearly fatal car accident. So I'm like, there's all of these things that I'm just like, what the hell is happening right now? And so I think when I really could acknowledge what it was, was when my uncle passed. And, you know, because all of it happened so rapidly, I'd say now, like, there was a point, I didn't even know what I was grieving anymore. Because mm -hmm. everything was happening at the same time. I didn't have time to, like, say, oh, my brother passed, give me two years. Mm -mm. Seven months, I lost another one. So that's what mm -hmm. it was. <clears throat> so with your grief, right, and grieving um how did you get help how did you get where you are today like what steps did you take how did you get there and even with grieving like it's you said your marriage didn't you got a divorce right so mm -hmm. grieving that too like what what does that look like for tillman and oh, how man. did how how are you here talking to us that's what <laughs> i want to know so what <clears throat> i do every day is i wake up in the morning and i meditate so following that meditation, I like I do push-ups in the morning and then I do a journal where I just write what I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then I do like affirmations and things that like I am and that I love. And following that I talk about what I'm what I accomplished the day before and then what I'm planning on accomplishing the day the that day. So that's how I begin my day with gratitude. And I think that's a huge piece of it. And I started doing therapy in 2019. Okay. 2019, I started doing therapy mm -hmm. because there was, there was things, again, that were happening like during that time period for me too. But 2020, like that's when all of that sort of ramped up. And there's so much happening during that period that I'm like, I don't even have time. I, I have to do mm -hmm all of these things. And so 2021, when my brother passed, I was like, I gotta get back to it because there's so many things that are happening. Like I, I just don't even understand it. And so for me, it's like the meditation, gratitude, um, actually, you know, sharing this story with other people, because I think when, or at least when I think about it, my father told me years ago, he said, God will never give you a test that you can't pass. And <laughs> I could laugh about it now because I'm like, man, I, I didn't ask for any of these tests. Like mm -hmm. this, this, this test is way tougher than I could have imagined. And it's funny because I see things that I wrote 10 years ago and even to the day, it speaks to what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. So, coupling all of that with writing and just navigating these experiences within the book i talk about a few different things i talk about the history to understand how we got here mm -hmm. i talk about the hate because there was a point where i was just so upset with god that this could possibly happen for me then i talk about the help which includes the therapy piece which includes like the people who have reached out to me, have connected to me to ensure that, you know, during this process that 
I'm okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I talk about the healing, which to me, the healing is ongoing. That's something that you have to continue to work on. So one of the things that my father told me, he said, regardless of what it is, you have to take it day by day. And I remember I had a conversation with him and I said, Dad, I'm tired. I said, I'm tired, man. He said, it doesn't matter where you go, whether you're in Memphis, L.A. or in Spain, you won't be able to run from it. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide how you're going to navigate it. And after the conversation with him and several conversations with him, which is funny because I tell people now, that when I call my dad is literally, I'm just talking to myself. I need to hear somebody else say it mm -hmm. because we also have the same name. And from a spiritual perspective, I've looked at him for, for guidance throughout my life. And on the back end of him telling me, God will never give you a test that you can't pass. There's a pastor in Memphis who did our high school baccalaureate. And he said, God doesn't call only equipped. He equips those he calls. Mm -hmm. And so, my dad also knows that he said, he, he asked me, he was like, which tool do you need to use right now? And part of that is, you know, all the stuff that I'm working on. Bless your dad for just yes. being the ear and voice that you needed to get your journey started and, and keep it going. Um, bless your daddy. Bless him. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Tillman, you talked a little bit about this uh, early in the conversation about just how you had to tell yourself to man up. You know, like men have been programmed to not show emotion, not be vulnerable, not talk through things because they have to hold this masculine exterior and mm -hmm. feel that nothing bothers them. And obviously mm -hmm. we know that that is far from the truth. And I'm glad that we're having more of these conversations about how it's okay for men to show emotion. It's okay for men to be vulnerable. It's okay for them to be open, right? So mm -hmm. I, I want to ask you, like, how did you move past those norms of feeling like you have to uphold your emotions or just keep them bottled in and not talk about it and not go to therapy, not do all the things that you're doing now? Like, how did you get past that societal norm? Uh, quite frankly, I would say that I probably wouldn't have even started therapy if it wasn't for my marriage. I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. I probably would have just continued to do what I was doing before, but she could see as I'm navigating this whole entire experience, like, hey, like you need to like talk to somebody. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good power through. That's what I was so used to doing. And then when I finally did it, I was like, I, I looked at her, I was like, I actually should have did this a long time ago. So I, I think that was like the initial part for me. But then I think in addition to that, I realized that there are so many things that people were asking of me. And I was just doing every single thing, every single thing, because there, I made this narrative in my head that if I was back home with my family, certain things wouldn't happen. 
because I was there and I could show them like, hey, this is how I do it. This is how I navigate it. So I used to have Zoom meetings with my brothers like in 2019 just for that purpose. So when I'm back home, I'm like, hey, I'm here now. So don't worry. I got it. You need me to talk to this person, that person. I'll negotiate, talk to an attorney, whatever. It didn't matter. So I'm like running around with my chick, like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to do it all. And then I just pile all of these things on. And then I woke up one morning and I said to myself, like, I'm carrying all of these bags, like everybody else's bag. And then I look back, my bag is on the ground. All the stuff that I need to be working on for myself, all the healing that I need to do, all the trauma that I haven't addressed is just sitting back there because I'm telling myself I can, I can sacrifice my world so I can make sure the people that I love are okay. But then when I look back and saw that bag, I'm like, well, somebody has to go get it. So I had to start putting those bags down and I had to start navigating this, this entire world in a completely different way. And when I finally was able to come to that, I feel like I had lost so much anyway. Hmm. And it sucks to say that because there's a period where you go through that process and you're like sort of blaming yourself for all these, oh, if I would have done this, if I would have said that, if I would have been around for this, it doesn't matter. You could say, as, as, as black folks say, is if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. Because I said if <laughs> so many times. And like going through that experience, I realized that the best thing that I could do was have people see this strong friend, this strong brother, this strong son, actually for what that B-side is. There's a pastor who said, um, "There's a, we have an A-side and a B-side. That B-side is what you don't want everybody else to know. And I realized that people needed to see despite this exterior where this person has it all together, they're in LA, they're doing all these things and whatever, whatever. We, people go through all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so now I, I say, you know, everybody has a story. It may not sound exactly like mine, but no matter what happens in your life and no matter how tough it gets, it's gonna hurt, but it won't kill you. And being cognizant of that being able to share because I've always shared positive thoughts with people. I've always shared as much as I can to help people navigate their own experiences. But a lot of that truthfully was because I'm navigating so many things and nobody has any idea. And the more I was able to share, I get messages all the time. I remember the first time somebody reached out to a friend and I for a video we did 11 years ago. And that video was called Grace, A Conversation With God. They said, if, when they watched that video, that saved them from committing suicide. Wow. And I can't tell you how many of those conversations I've had with people. So knowing all of that and knowing how people have seen me, I said, hey, it's, it's better for me to share this with people than to hold it in because one is gonna help them but it's also going to help me. Hmm. Wow. So you uh, talk about God a lot. And I, I'm just curious to know, during this time of tragedy, um, 
Did your relationship change with God in a positive way, in a negative way? Did you lean on him more? Did you stray away? What did that look like? I was mad. Mm -hmm. I was mad. Because there's literally my whole life was gone. My whole life. Like, just the idea of the amount of losses. I mean, in that process, you know, another thing was um, taking financial bets, being more risky with money, because I'm like, all right, if I do this, I can have this financial injection of hope to everybody. Because now I'm not only making more money than I was making before. I feel like I can help more people. But the way I navigated that, even now I could say it was just a horrible, horrible idea. Because I knew even in the back of my head, like there's a 1% chance this works. But because I stopped caring about what was going on with me, so I'd do it anyway. So like being cognizant of all of those things, I'm looking up now and I'm like, man, a lot of this, I can only look at myself in the mirror and say like, hey, if you did that this way, um, you had to understand like what the consequences could be. So I spent quite a bit of time being upset with God about a lot of things, a lot of things. Cause like to lose at that level, I just couldn't understand like for me, how one person could lose like that. But then I also was mindful of the fact that I didn't just go through this. My family went through this too. My niece almost passed with, that's my sister's daughter. <laughs> and my, my dad lost his brother and he lost his sons. My mom lost her sons. My brothers lost their brothers. My sisters lost their brothers. So just looking at it in that way, I think all of us had extremely unique circumstances during this. Cause you know, now I look like my nephews and my nieces and I'm thinking, okay, well, how are you going to deal with this? So for me, part of like showing up is like knowing like my nephew, he, he, um, both of my nephews, well, two of my nephews will like watch everything that I post on Instagram. And so they joke with me and they're like, why does everything you do have to be motivational? My eight year old and my 11 year old nephew. But I, I think about them in the way that I talk about, thought about the uncle that I lost because I looked at that uncle as the strong uncle in my family. He is the uncle that's working like 14 hour days every day, 16 hour days, just so he could provide for his son, who's like one of my closest friends, obviously my first cousin. So watching him and I'm thinking to myself like, oh, I want to actually be around for my nephews and I want to show them like, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you navigate this experience. Whether it's you decide to be a football player or an attorney, doesn't matter to me. But I just want you to see what's possible. So when I think about all the stuff that I'm doing right now and knowing if I post something on Instagram, my nephew is going to see that. All right, just keep working. Just keep working. And he'll, he'll see it and he'll be able to grow and just continue to see that there's more out there for him, like all of my nephews, all of my nieces. So just being cognizant of all of that. So you talk about, you know, your your family, all of you experience this together. 
And I'm curious as to how did you all support each other through so much tragedy and, and show up for each other essentially every day, you know, um, how, what, what did that look like? Um, friends it's too. interesting because yeah, from the family side, we have a large group chat, <laughs> a large group chat. And there's a few of us who've had different responsibilities than other ones. So <laughs> I think there are just moments during that process, especially for me, before I started like sharing how I felt during this experience, where like, all right, you have to be strong today, I'll be strong tomorrow. It was kind of like that. And we were just sort of looking at each other and really we started to share more with each other about how we felt during this process. Because I thought about like, even when my sister almost lost her daughter, how she felt during that experience and how I watched her also have to be strong during that process. But the idea was we were all alongside my niece learning how to walk and talk again. And in the book, I write about my niece specifically because as crazy as it might sound, she's teaching this entire family how to walk and talk again as she fights through her experience. My three-year-old niece who had just learned how to walk and talk had to do it all over again. And she just has this bubbly personality. And I tell people now she's, she's special in terms of she knows how to navigate every single one of her uncles. I, I used to call her or she'll call me on FaceTime and she goes, hey, my favorite uncle. And here I am, I'm thinking, I'm the uncle in LA, I'm the special one, <laughs> right? But then I was at home and she FaceTimes my brother. She goes, hey, my favorite uncle. And I'm like, oh, you have been finessing the whole time. <laughs> but but it's, it's just so funny though, because like I watched her do all of that right before she had the accident. And just to see like her navigate that experience, I was like, well, this baby probably saved more of the family than any of us even realize right now, because the amount of strength that she had, if my niece could navigate that, like the stuff that I'm dealing with, it's tough. Mm -hmm. But she had to learn how to do something that she just did again. So if she can learn how to walk and talk again, so can I. And I think my siblings and I, my parents, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, all of us got a chance to see her and were able to support each other in different ways throughout that process. And she's doing so well. <laughs> I, I see your post about your niece and she makes me smile. If she can get through mm -hmm. life at three, yeah. four years old and mm -hmm. just keep moving, keep going, mm -hmm. that's all the strength and motivation we need to do the same. Bless her heart. Tillman, can you share how many siblings you have? <laughs> uh, so I grew up in a house with 14 siblings. I have had five older brothers, five younger brothers, two older sisters, and two younger ones. So I was like right in the middle. Smack dab. And your niece yeah. be finessing all of y'all. 
<laughs> hey, she's smart, wow. man. That, so you're one of 14? 15. One of 15. Yep. Same parents? So my, my mom had kids before she met my dad. Okay. They, had 11, they had 11 together. Whoa. Yeah. Bless Woo. your mama. Bless your mama. And your daddy. <laughs> Jinx. Because we be and talking parents, like, how are we going <laughs> to deal with the one and two we have? Right. Like, goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh. them. Lord. Mm. <laughs> so, so Tillman, you talked about seeing yourself or being yourself as having to be perfect and saving everyone. And so I really thought about who's going to save Superman, right? Because you seem like you're the Superman of your family and who's saving you. So with your experiences, do you feel like you still have to be perfect today? Or did you kind of relax a little bit? Hey, it's funny because I was, I was asked this question on my own podcast. <laughs> uh, I said that I felt like I had to be perfect like during that process. But one of the things about it, like my oldest, my oldest sister who is in the army, she works at the Pentagon. And mm -hmm. like what I was trying to do for her during this whole process was like also take weight off of her because there's a lot mm -hmm. that goes in her direction. There's a lot that goes in my dad's direction. There's a lot that goes in like my older brother's their direction. So I was like, well, you know, me being in the middle, I can navigate both sides of this, the seven older ones and the mm -hmm. seven younger ones. So like, I'm taking on like all sorts of responsibility. And it's also because of my experience being a professional and just being mm -hmm. able to navigate certain situations. So when I thought about this idea of perfection, I said, all of what you're talking about is not even real. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that nobody asked me to do. I was just doing it because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And this, I think when I woke up one morning and I looked around and it was just me sitting there, I was like, well, there's nothing perfect about this for me, but there's a level of stuff that I have to work through mm -hmm. because there's so many things that you did, obviously speaking to myself, like you weren't even loving yourself in the right way, right, mm -hmm. but there's nothing perfect about that. So just having to face that reality was no, nah, I don't feel like I have to be perfect. To me, it's, it's more perfect to share an experience like this so you can serve other people than to hold all this stuff in and try to be this Superman. Mm -hmm. Because even Superman has his kryptonite. Yep. I found mine several times over. Hmm. So, <laughs> not feel good. Yeah. That was good, Tillman. It was. I'm just so proud of you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And so um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording and you mentioned that you have this men's group and I was just in such awe with this when you were talking about it and what are you what you're doing for your community and like I definitely see you in the future with a, a nonprofit organization supporting men. Um, that is navigating through life, through grief, depression, suicidal thoughts, whatever the case may be. I can definitely see you leading something like that. So we're going to claim that. Um, but I wanted to know if you can talk to us a little bit about your group. Uh, of course, being confidential, because I don't want you to share anything that's not um, that, you know, 
insight into your group like that but just really just give us some high level points of you know what you're doing for your community so i I literally just started the group here recently but i said that there are certain things like when i go through something i do research on like what it is Mm -hmm. so i knew that when i tore my acl like 100,000 to 200,000 people tear the ACL every year. Hmm. So it's like one in 3,500 people. Another statistic that was relevant for me was when it comes to seeking help mental health wise, there's 24%, I think it's 24.7% of women can say they did it in the last 12 months. While there's 13.4% of men can say they did it in the last 12 months. The last piece was there's a statistic that says while men represent 50% of the population, they represent 79% of suicides. Hmm. And so to navigate experiences in the way that I had to, I could, you know, talk to anybody. They're like, man, if I would have just dealt with one of those things, I would have struggled through it. Mm-hmm. But here I am and here my family is and we're like, oh, well, there's all of these things within like the past year or two, which happened like rapidly. So being cognizant of that and then also knowing many of the conversations that I've had with people who have reached out to me with their own experiences. I said, I wrote this book. It's going to hurt, but it won't kill you. But within that, we obviously talk about a lot about healing. So the men's group is, it's going to heal. And we talk about many of those items Mm -hmm. and share insights with each other. That's the entire goal to continue to help each other because at the most, if we're not in therapy, which again, 13% of men can actually say that they've sought out something of that nature. The best we typically get is in the barbershop. So if our barbers were to write a tell-all book, we'd, we'd all be exposed. <laughs> but hey, that, have that's, deep conversations in that barbershop. Yeah. <laughs> but but that, that's the most that we get. And you know, even then, it's at, at a high level. Mm-hmm. And so the idea about just having a group like that for me was there's so many of these conversations that I've had with each individual or with people at an individual level. So let's talk about the ways we can navigate that. Whether it's, you know, something like therapy or something simple as breath work or working out or like all of these other areas, reading and stuff that you possibly don't even think about when you're doing it. I can tell you how many times I'm like, well, reading isn't working today. Let me go meditate. Meditating isn't working today. I'll throw on some TD Jakes. And so it's really just having this getting back to the toolbox mm-hmm. and pulling out the tool that you need at that specific time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just as simple as a conversation. And so as I think we all navigate this journey together, it's better to have a level of support around each other, especially when it's a group of brothers who can literally sit and have these conversations with each other mm-hmm. to help each one of us navigate it in a much better way. Tillman, is this group only in person or is it virtual as well? This is virtual. This is virtual. Okay. So if any male is 
interested in um, joining your group, what would be the best method for doing so? So you definitely send me an email, info at tillmankeaton.com, or you can message me on like my Instagram or TikTok or whatever, just at Tillman Keaton on literally every platform and we'll work through it. Okay. That's great. That is great. Keep doing the good work, Tillman. Yes. And we'll make sure that information is in the description box too. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so, Tillman, for anybody who wants to connect with you further, um, can you drop your podcast, your, I know you just gave us your Instagram, but if you can just do that one more time for those who didn't catch it the first time. Um, and, of course, it'll be in our description box as well. Absolutely. So, just so people know how to spell my name, is T-I-L-M-O-N-K-E-A-T-O-N on every platform you could think of. Like, if you... If you search my name, and I hate to say it this way, but if you Google my name, you'll find me. Okay. <laughs> Got that, it. that is true. Google that me. <laughs> no. My name is so unique. Tell me. It's so unique. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. This was a great conversation. It was. Thank um, you, We definitely needed to have this. Thank you for your transparency and your vulnerability. We need more conversations like this. Um, and just thank you for doing the work because I know – it cannot be easy to continue to tell your story over and over again or just crying sometimes or shouting or just saying, F this, I don't want to do this today. Like, I don't feel like moving, but you are still doing the work. And I think it's really great for men to see that. Um, I think we're getting better in society with giving men a voice and letting them know it's okay to cry or okay to seek therapy. But I think we still have a long ways to go. And I think hearing it from other men versus women, right? We could say it all day, but when you hear it from another peer or someone who looks like you, I think it just hits different. Um, So definitely just keep doing it because we need you we appreciate you we love you and we see you we definitely see you so and i know others are too yes yes indeed we actually had our husbands on last year um they had their Mm -hmm. own episode about mental check-ins and they had a, a really deep conversation about their mental health at the time and um mm-hmm. how they you know have navigated a lot of the challenges that they've had And it's been really good to see them open up and be vulnerable about how they're Mm -hmm. feeling and um, really coaching us on how to deal with them. Because honestly, that's something that I'm getting used Mm -hmm. to as well. I grew Mm -hmm. up in a household where men didn't show emotion. I, Mm -hmm. my dad barely cried unless it was something really tragic that happened or my brother was always told, stop that crying boy, you know, boys don't cry or boys don't show emotion. So it's something that I'm also having to unlearn. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's, it's been a journey and I'm, I'm really thankful for people like you Tillman who are, are open about how things are going in your life and being open and transparent about everything that you've gone through and really giving space for other men to feel comfortable with, really being themselves because mm-hmm. men have emotion and it's okay mm-hmm. to show that. So thank you again, Tillman for just your presence and pushing us all forward. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate y'all. I really do. 
Yeah. Yeah. So with all that talk, friend, we, we got to get some alcohol. Man. I'm, <laughs> I'm still not drinking. I drink with me today. Right. But um, so we don't have mama juice today. Mm-hmm. What we have? We have uncle juice. Mm-hmm. Because when you think of this uncle juice, just think of Tillman's niece, like, finessing him. Like, this is... <laughs> This is the uncle juice. This is the drink she gives you when she needs somebody. You're like, just take a couple sips of that, Uncle Tillman, and I'm really going to get what I want. Um, but Tillman actually does not drink, y'all, unless something's changed. Tillman, do you, you, you still? I, I, I have a glass of wine now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> glass of wine is fine. Right. That's fine. But as long as I've known Tillman, I don't think I've ever seen him drink liquor. Um, yeah. But his yeah. drink is called It's Gonna Hurt. It's mm-hmm. called It's Gonna Hurt. And I'm going to actually start with the mocktail version um, today because in honor of Tillman, we're going to start with our mocktail. And it has fresh blueberries, mint, and lemon muddled together. And then you have three ounces of lemonade that you top that with, and you top that with ginger beer and ice. Now, that's called It's Gonna Hurt, the mocktail version. Now, the cocktail version is really going to hurt because it got bourbon in it. And I don't, <laughs> for some people, it's going to hurt if you drink bourbon. It like will hurt me. Like, yeah, like Devin. It's going to hurt. It does. It, bourbon is not her thing. But I, you know, it's not going to hurt me, but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt Devin. <laughs> Lay it out. Let me run down that recipe. So it's the fresh berries, mint, and lemon muddled together, topped with two ounces of bourbon, Ice it, shake it up, and then you top it with ginger beer. And you can have mint garnish, and that's the it's going to hurt. All right. Inspired by Tillman. That sounds. Yeah. That sounds. (laughs) 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 So if this is your first time listening, we also have a segment called Mama's Corner. And in Mama's Corner, typically our listeners will write in and ask us for advice. We are no experts, but we can give you advice based on our personal experiences. Or sometimes we're reflective with our guests and have an additional question. So today we're being reflective. And so I do have an additional question for Tillman. And that's really um, what advice or words of encouragement that you may have for anyone who is in... um, who may have been diagnosed with depression or may be on a road to recovery? Mm, um, I think the, the biggest thing is like building systems for yourself mm-hmm. and building systems around you to navigate that entire journey. Because the truth of the matter is like a lot of this stuff that we go through, it's hard to see that there's any light mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel. And when you think about it in that way, there's all of this darkness that's around you, of course. And I remember there's a moment in my personal experience where I said I was sitting in this dark room that also smelled. And when you're in a place like that, you get accustomed to the smell and the smell starts to stick to you. Mm. But at some point, you have to decide that I don't want to smell like this anymore. And for some of us, that is an everyday decision. As much as it hurts to navigate through all of those experiences, you must remember that there's light 
at the end of the tunnel. There's promise on the other side. We don't go through these experiences for, for no reason. And if we truly want to operate within the purpose of what's designed for us, we know these testimonies are going to be able to help so many other people. Mm -hmm. So as you push through, as you continue to grow, as you continue to navigate whatever that you might be going through, to get back to what I said earlier, it's everybody has a story, but no matter what happens in your life and no matter how tough it gets, it's going to hurt, but it won't kill you. <sighs> Just encourage us all, Tillman. <laughs> Seriously, I, I took a lot of what you said, too, from my own personal practice. Mm -hmm. um, but you are just amazing. Phenomenal. Again, it. thank you for your time. We can't wait to have you back and hear more about your men's group mm -hmm. and how much it's grown. And again, if there's any man out there listening who would like support, please hit Tillman up. I think he'll be a great resource for you. Y'all could be anywhere on your Thursday nights and you are kicking it with us at the Real Mama Pod. Yes. So friend, where can they find us on the socials? They can find us wherever they like. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, and we are at the Real Mama Pod. If you are curious about my life, I'm at Kendra Ferg underscore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And I'm Kendra Ferguson on Facebook. Okay. And I'm mainly on Instagram. You can follow me at devgrace underscore. Mm -hmm. um, check out our website if you want to know more about us. Yes. If you want some mama merch out. Yes. We're in our sweatshirts today. Yes. But we have other things on there. We also have rich auntie merch. So check us out. Yes. Uh, you can reach us at www dot the real mama pod <laughs> dot com uh, yes and if you are listening to us of course we need your reviews rate subscribe yes. review us we're on all major platforms yes. and youtube please make sure you leave your review yes we've been working hard on our videos as you if you started with us from day one <laughs> you see it's just getting better with time so continue to be patient with us and we thank you. Yes. And one last thing. If you have something from Mama's Corner. Yes. <laughs> Please write my friend in Mama's Corner. Yes. You can write us at. Mama at therealmamapod.com. Yep. That's it. All right. <laughs> Until, Until next, next time. time. Bye. Bye.